Welcome. You're listening to audio from Life Church in Chico, California. We're so glad that you're here. Life Church's mission is simply to connect people to Jesus. You can find out more about our mission and who we are on our website at lifechurchchico.org. All right, let's dive into this week's message. My name is Jeff Young. If you're new with us this evening, I'm so grateful that you're here. Uh, we would love to invite you Sunday uh, at 9 or 10.30, one of the two services. They're identical. We just love to invite you to come worship with us if you haven't been here before or if you don't have a church home, of course. And so we just love having you guys here. I'm going to start with this sermon tonight. It's called Holy Expectations. And if you would, open up if you brought your Bible to Isaiah chapter 35. And we're going to get to this passage in Isaiah uh, where people are learn, they're, they're, they're yearning for something more. They have this expectation. They, they're, leaning, they're leaning in. They want more. They want something else. They, they've realized what is going on. And, and, and the Lord sends this prophet Isaiah in the midst of the season of life. And he has many prophetic words to the people of God. He, he shares all these different types of words to these people because he's a prophet and a messenger of the Lord. And so in this moment in, in Isaiah chapter 35, this is called a messianic prophecy. And so this is a prophetic word about Christ to come. It's, it's about baby Jesus being born. It's about who he is and what he does and the impact that he has in your life. And so I wanted to share from this passage where people are, are they had been waiting for this promised Messiah uh, from one prophecy to the next throughout scripture. And here we are 700 years before Jesus is born. So, so if you would rewind in your life 700 years to your great, 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 great grandfather or grandmother, you know, like seven, like times 10 probably greatness away from you. And here's this Isaiah. He, he's, he's come in this moment and he's sharing this prophetic word about the Messiah. And this uh, word right here tonight, I believe, is for many of you. And uh, while we read this, while I read it, I want to encourage you. Would you just kind of be on the edge of your seat in the sense of like letting the Lord speak to the matters of your heart? You've given this time, you've given this moment in time, and I want to just, I want to honor that, but I also want to encourage you, like, don't just come and do the whole church thing, candlelight service is what you do once a year, and, and then go home and have Christmas and then do all the things, but let this be a moment for you where the Lord really makes a mark in your life. Because there's passages, there's promises in here uh, of Jesus and the impact that he has on your life. So I'm going to read it together with you. I'm going to read it, and then you're going to follow along, of course. But I want to just pause in some moments and let them sit with our hearts. It says this, The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those who fear with, uh, say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. See, like even in this moment, I feel like God has come. Right, right now for you. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance. With divine retribution, he will come to save you. And when you think about those words, when you think about, ooh, d- d- divine retribution, that sounds a little like heavy-handed, Lord, don't you think? Like Isaiah, can you lighten it up a little bit? 
Uh, that sounds pretty intense, but, but God's wrath towards sin is pretty intense. The reason it's divine retribution is because he's going after the sin that goes after you. And he's going to go after anything that gets in the way of his children. So he's got this intensity to go after the sin, this divine retribution where he says, no, I see that and I want at it. Because it says he will come to save you. Verse five, it says this, then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf, deaf unstopped. Then will the lamp leap, uh, the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth from the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning, uh, the burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway we will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be for those who walk on the, that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about it, about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Check this out. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. Sorrow and sighing will flee away. Did anybody today or at some time this week just go, (sighs) sorrow and sighing will flee away. In the presence of Jesus, sorrow and sighing has to flee and his perfect love casts out all fear. There's this moment when Jesus enters in, when you welcome the presence of the king, even as a baby, when the king comes in, all those things have to make room for him. And somebody should have said, amen. I know it's candlelight. I know it's sweet and pretty out here, but man, somebody should say, amen. Jesus brings divine retribution, salvation, sight for the blind, hearing for the deaf, legs for the lame, shouts for joy for the mute, streams in the desert. In other words, he brings transformation. He brings the hurting to healing. He brings the brokenness into wholeness. He brings this, this incredible redemption aspect of your life that you feel like, man, I've been trying to put my life together, but I can't because it's in shambles. And so Jesus enters in and he says, oh, let me take care of that. I will make you better than you were. There's new life, which also means hope. So that's 700 years this prophetic word about this baby Jesus comes in. And now fast forward 300 years from that, we're at 400 years before Christ. Are you tracking with me? Who's the mathematician out here? So we have the prophet Malachi. The prophet Malachi is the last prophetic book of the, of the Old Testament, okay? From the last page of Malachi to the first page of Matthew, one page difference is 400 years 400 years. So, so this last prophetic word, I think is very important for us. In, in chapter four, verse two, it says this, for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its rays and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. And everybody was like, that laugh. <laughs> what? <laughs> Has anybody seen a little calf like prancing around all happy? Like they have no idea what their life really is going to be at the end, right? 
but they're so happy. And uh, our neighbors, they brought us a, a little puppy today. Uh, they, from across the street, they came and the, the two daughters, they came, they, they came with us with this beautiful little lab. I mean, adorable little puppy. And, and they said, can you, can you guys help us? Can you watch this puppy for like an hour? And all of us were like, are you kidding? Of course we can, of course we can. And so with the kids to get in the backyard and it's like a little puppy, it's bouncing around and jumping around. But what the deal is here, what, what the Lord is saying here in this prophetic word is when I place my king in your life, when God places Jesus in your life, when you welcome Jesus in your life, you're like a well-fed calf. You've got this unending abundant of, abundance of joy that comes in that makes you believe, that puts you in a place of safety, first and foremost, where you can frolic around like a little calf, like you could care less about what the world says. It pushes out sorrow and grief. It pushes out sighing. It pushes out fear. So you can be the child of God that he's intended you to be. It goes on in in, in verse six, he says this, he will turn the hearts of parents to their children. He will turn the hearts of the parents toward the children and the hearts of the children to the parents. And Jesus does this so well as he, he brings families back together. And what I love about Jesus is he actually adopts us into the family, right? So, so I may not have a relationship with my mother or father, but man, I've got a lot of spiritual mothers and fathers. And the same thing with our sons and daughters, we, that Jesus brings the, the redemption into family. And so here's 700 years, here's 400 years, this, this holy expectation of God doing something incredible through this Messiah. And then all of a sudden they reach this time and period called the intertestamental period in between these two pages of Malachi and Matthew of 400 years. Anybody been in the desert for 400 years? The Israelites were enslaved for 400 years in in Egypt. And that was a real slavery. This is more like almost, I would call maybe a spiritual slavery. This is no man's land. This is like, man, Lord, where are you? Though the Lord was at work, I love that song, Waymaker. uh, Even when I can't see you, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're moving. Even, even though I can't understand what you're doing, Lord, you're at work. And so the Lord was at work in these moments of 400 years, but this 400 years, it's a long delay of pro- prophetic promises. It, it, it's a promise delayed. And I don't know if you've ever had a promise delayed, but oh goodness, that's challenging. I thought you were good at your word. Lord, I thought you had your word. I thought you were true to your word. I thought you could never turn void on your word. There's a long gap in silence. And, and over 400 years, you'd guess it right that one generation after the next, it was, it was a generational fate of I'm all in on the Lord and then I'm all in the Lord kind of, and I'm kind of on the, all on the Lord and I'm not, I, I don't know. And, and then all of a sudden it goes on empty and there's no Lord of your life from one generation after the other. So the world here, they had an incredible influence of the people of God. And so they were swayed by this. There was violence everywhere in this 400 years between Malachi and Matthew. There was upheavals of nations. There's insecurity everywhere. There's challenge, there's strife, uh, religious service and duty. They weren't helping people to encounter God. Um, and so that it just be kind of, became like this check, check the box kind of thing. The people, the world, um, and uh, the people and the world, they were ready for this Messiah to come. They just didn't realize what was happening through this time. They were desperately ready for an answer. And so I don't know if you're at this point of like, man, you've been seeking, you've been trying to find the Lord, you've been hurting, you've been hopeless, relentless, impatient. Uh, You might be in this position of like, Lord, I just need you in my life now. 
I just need you now, God. I need you to show up and show off like you, you've promised you would. But life in these last three years has been really difficult, just in the three years here in Butte County. Let alone the rest of your life that you have the stories to line up and stack upon one, one after another. So, so all of that combined with these last three years, wow, there's a lot of tragedy. There's a lot of strife. There's a lot of loss. And maybe your future is fragmented. It's just like, I don't know what's to come. Maybe your vision is vacant. Like I just need one step after another. I can't even think forward. Maybe your hope has been what I would call just hammered. And so you're just kind of like at this place of like, I don't know. But there's a desperation there. Dreams delayed and courage has been crushed. Can you imagine 400 years of silence? And then all of a sudden we get to Luke chapter one. Luke chapter one, I'm not gonna read Luke chapter one. I'd encourage you to go read it, but there's an incredible moment here where angels start showing up all over the place. They just start appearing to people. And I, I, I said this with last service. I'm like, I have prayed and asked the Lord to show me an angel. I want an angel to show up in my dreams. I want an angel to just show up when I'm walking to my car. Anytime, anyplace, I'm down because I want to see an angel, anybody with me. I would be terrified. I would be scared. But man, I'd be so excited at the same time. Like, oh my goodness, an angel's in prayer. Yes, I can't wait to hear what you say. Because every time there's an angel, there's usually a good, good, good thing to go with the angel. But I want to be in the presence of an angel. And I've asked Jesus many times to do this and I still have to wait. But see, it's interesting. The people were ready. The people, the world was ready for a change. In this intertestamental period and, and beforehand, polytheism had, had had this massive rise. And that's, just a, that's basically the belief that um, every God leads to the same thing. I can choose any God. It doesn't really matter. I'm going to choose my God. But then they started to realize, wait a minute, this doesn't really work because they end up contradicting each other, all of them. And so they started to realize, so in this intertestamental period, it started to kind of weigh down. It started to kind of fade away. And so the world was at this moment of like, I'm anticipating something different. And I actually think there's a moment here in our window of time with us that the world is starting to see there's something different. There's something on the, on the horizon. There's a glimpse of hope in the future. And then the people were desperately ready for something from God. They were striving, they were thirsty, they were hungry for this. And so all these angels start showing up. If you read uh, Luke 1, you have got, you've got Zechariah in the, in the temple. You've got um, his wife, Elizabeth. And then they have John the Baptist who leads the way, makes a way. There's incredible promises that are given. You have Mary and Joseph and the shepherds in, in Luke chapter two. So if you're there, open up to Luke chapter two, but there's this holy expectation uh, as these angels begin to appear that there's this anticipation of, man, something's brewing, something's happening. And I pray and I hope that you feel the same anticipation in your own heart. That I would never live my life with the Lord just like cruise control. That I'd always be leaning in and going, Jesus, you've got something more for me that I'd have this anticipation of you moving and working in my life, in my heart, in my mind, in my family, in our church, in my presence. Lord, anything you want to do through me, I have this leaning in expectation. There's, there's something happening. Something's been birthed. So we have a prophecy and a promise and, and we have this expectation that, that God's going to do something incredible, but we have all of these different routes that are going on in the word. And so this is where we intersect with Luke chapter two. And I'm going to read this with us. Luke chapter two, verse one. And this is the story of Mary and Joseph. 
says this, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that, uh, that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to the, their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee, to, uh, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he, was, uh, he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. When they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So you have Mary and Joseph and, and Jesus, and, and just before Jesus is born, what do we hear that Caesar has put in this, this decree that they want to, he wants to have a census? And I don't know if you understand the story of Mary and Joseph, but it was off to kind of a rocky start to begin with. Uh, Mary has the promise from the angel, you're going to have this baby uh, and, and, and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. And then Joseph's going to hear this dream, have this angel appear in his dream and say, go with Mary. This is the son of God. They've got these incredible promises of God from these angels. And so they, they go together. He doesn't decide to leave her. He sticks with her. And then he gets this decree that says, I, you've got to go to Jerusalem in order to make sure you're there for the census. And I can imagine young Joseph as a young soon-to-be dad and soon-to-be husband going, are you kidding me? Are you serious that you're going to make me and my soon-to-be wife go to Jerusalem? You're going to make us go there and we have to walk the whole way and I got to walk the whole way and take the donkey that Mary's riding on. She's pregnant and irritable, by the way. Because, you know, the expectation for Mary, man, I wonder if, man, I'm going to get pregnant. I'm not going to have any, uh, I'm not going to have any morning sickness. It's going to be a blast. I'm going to be such a, a, a bottle of joy. This is going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. No. She had to experience everything else. And so Joseph's like, man, and by the way, we're going to have to go to Jerusalem with all my family. And my family's going to continually ask me, are you sure about this? What's going on with Mary? How'd that happen? What are you talking about? An angel? What? Come on. And again and again, he's going to have to share the story. So here they are. They're engaged. They're pregnant. They're confused. They're challenging. And bo oh, also to add into it, they finally get to this place and there's nowhere to stay. I don't know. If Mary did this, but when Jesus grew up and he was finally an adult, I think she went like this, dude, I gotta, I gotta talk with you, man. You know, when I, you know, when I was carrying you, you were the king of the earth here in my tummy and you didn't even set me up with a five-star resort hotel. Like you didn't even hook me up. I had to go to a barn to deliver you. What is your problem? This is not romantic. This is opposite of every expectation a young, beautiful couple would have going into marriage. Like, oh dear God, just get us through this, please. It's not ideal. This delivery of a savior is not hitting the expectations of our heart. And I think sometimes when we say yes to Jesus, we have these expectations that life is gonna be perfect, that all is gonna be well, that we're never gonna have hardship. The beautiful thing is when the king is in your heart, there's peace and there's joy. So let's keep reading. So we see Joseph and Mary here with these in incredible expectations from them. And we get the shepherds. And here we are in verse eight. It says this, and there were the shepherds living out in the fields nearby, 
keeping watch over their flocks at night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Yes, love this. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy for all the people. I bring you good news that will cause you great joy. Everybody say great joy. In Isaiah, we just talked about that. That was, the, that was a confirmation of the prophetic word from Isaiah 35, 700 years before this in the exact same prophetic word. The angel appears, you will receive good news and great joy for all the people. It says this in verse 11, uh, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of, of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God on the highest heavens and, and on earth peace to those whom his, his favor rests. So these shepherds are in the dust, are in the dirt, are in the grime with these sheep at night and an angel appears to them. Mary and Joseph found themselves in the dirt, in the muck, in the grime with the animals, not their expectation. This was their life, the shepherds. It's every day, no problem. And an angel appears to these guys and they're terrified. Why are they terrified? Because they're always on watch. They're, they're making sure their sheep are taken care of. So when, when this angel appears, they're on defense. They're terrified, they're nervous, they're scared. And he says, don't be afraid. And, and this is what I hear the Lord saying in this moment. Do not be afraid of what God wants to do in your life. Because <laughs> when you meet the baby Jesus, man, he's gonna change, radically change and transform the way you think, the way you do, the way you live, all of these things, because you're gonna be in tune with what he has. So don't be afraid of stepping through. Some might have been just on this precipice, on this threshold of like giving your whole heart and your whole life to the Lord, like everything. Maybe some have been in and they got back out and they're like, yeah, I've been there. I've done that, but I'm kind of like living my quote unquote best life. But Jesus is like, man, I've got something for you. I've got so much more for you. Good news, great joy. Today, a savior has been born. So 700 years, 400 years, and now the moment is here. The Messiah has been delivered. And, he, and they say, a sign will be given to you that a baby will be lying in a manger wrapped in cloths. This is their sign. So what do they do? They're, they're looking, they're gonna go and they're gonna be looking for this baby in a manger wrapped in cloth. And this is the expectation for Mary when she has Jesus. I have nothing for him. I, got, I, I don't have anything for Jesus. I've got nothing. Can we just get some cloths and, and put them in this, this little basket? And, and, and that's the best that we can possibly do. But the shepherds are like, it's Jesus. It's, been a, it's, it's, it's a total different expectation. Same promise, same prophecy, completely fulfilled with different expectations. This is it's incredible. So the hosts appear and they tell them a sign for you. I'm gonna have the worship team come back up and we're gonna close in worship and with silent night. And I hope you guys have a candle. Please make sure you have a candle. If you don't, please go grab one. In, in silent night, which we sing every, every year, it's kind of our tradition. It's maybe the only thing that we keep as a tradition. I'm not a big fan of traditions. But we sing silent night and there's a passage in silent night or a phrase in silent night. It says, silent night, holy night, 
Shepherds quake at thy sight. I, I think that when, when those shepherds put their eyes on Jesus, I think when they declared that this is the Messiah, this is the sign, this is him, I think what happened with Mary, she remembered the promises spoken to her. I, I think she probably knew enough about, about the prophecies of the Messiah. She'd been told enough. And so when the shepherds came in and confirmed, then she went, oh my goodness. Lord, thank you. And not only that, she has this moment in her heart. And if you read past, in, past this passage in Luke chapter two, it says that she cherished, she, she treasured this moment in her heart. I just want to encourage you, treasure the moments that Jesus gives you with him. Treasure the moments that he's made himself real to you. Treasure the moments where he's been revealed to you. Treasure these moments. Would you stand with me? What we're going to do is we're going to light these candles. And, and what happened with the shepherds is they saw Jesus and, and they they recognized him as the Messiah. And then it says something unique. It says, then they went and they shared this with everybody. They shared it with everybody. So they learn about Jesus. They accept Jesus. They realize he's the Messiah. And then they go tell everybody. And this moment right now of me lighting this is the, the realization of Jesus as the Messiah. He is the son of God here on earth. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And now I've realized this for myself. And, and when I give this to the ushers and pass it through and it goes through the congregation, the beautiful part is they were all amazed. All the people were amazed when the shepherds told them this story, told them of the angels, told them of, of the signs of the cloth and the manger and the Messiah, the baby. And they were all amazed. So when you get this, take a moment and go, God, thank you. Jesus, thank you that you are the light of the world, that you are with me, that you're for me, that you're part of this. So let's do that. Thank you for listening today. We hope that this week's message encouraged you. Life Church meets every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. here in Chico, California. You can also listen to us online during our 9 a.m. live stream. We would love the opportunity to connect with you, so please visit our website, lifechurchchico.org.